Welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast that gives you the movies well worth watching, even if there are some duds along the way. Combining questions, trivia and games, every episode we're challenged to watch a piece of film history to decide whether it deserves to be remembered for all time in our movie vault. With every film chosen in our previous episode, it's the perfect way to watch and discuss along at home. But don't just take my word for it. Here's a snippet of what to expect in today's episode. Craig can't be saying that. That would be horrific. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be that. If any, if anything, I, I felt like saying as a as a joke, my favorite song in the film was Fish Rap. <laughs> oh, but it's brilliant though. It's such a good song. <laughs> Rapping yeah. for the hell of it, a nice bit of hell of it. It's just it's bang. It's a banger. I love it. <laughs> hey, people, tomorrow morning, eight a.m. Santa's coming. Santa! Oh my God! I know him. Oh, Christmas isn't just a day. It's a thing with money. Made my family disappear. Put that cookie down now. It's not the It's a very naughty boy. I'll get you, my pretty. And beyond. Look, Daddy, Peter says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Well, good movies. Hello, 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 and welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast that gives you the movies well worth watching, even when there's bumps along the way. I'm your host, David Osger, and I am joined by the all-singing and dancing, Craig McDonald. Hello, Craig. Oh, hi. With uh, your top hat and the tinsel around the neck. You're doing the high Well, I mean, given the fact I've got like 45% of a voice, I think that's about (laughs) as much energy as you're going to get from me for this episode. I mean, one of the actors in this film, I feel, gets away with it. You kind of look a bit like him, actually, now I think about it. You could play that role. That is the kindest thing you have ever said to me. <laughs> I will happily take looking like Mark Benton. Well, uh, Assuming yeah. that's who you mean. Yeah, the guy who wears a top hat during the film <laughs> at some point. Okay. Yeah, Craig, we're um, back once again. Now we're transitioning from Halloween to Christmas, as we did uh, last time. Are you happy to be in this place? Is it too early for Christmas for you, or is it the right time? Well, people who follow this podcast will know that I'm notoriously anti-Christmas outside of December. So I think a lot of people will be surprised at how much I've actually sort of embraced aspects of it during November, right? Like, I didn't have any sort of major reservations about talking about Nightmare Before Christmas. I wasn't as big a fan as it as everyone else on that episode, but I I didn't hate it. I didn't, I didn't hate the process. And hell... I even suggested today's film, which is at the point of this time recorded mid-November, it is very much a Christmas film. I, I must have softened a lot to be able to actually embrace this point of the year. It's happening. Craig is like being visited by three ghosts. No, I think I, I think that's window. Jeff Bezos given the amount of money he's planning on giving away recently. Yeah. <laughs> Very true, very true. Uh, So uh, let's go over now to uh, who is joining us on today's discussion. First of all, uh, last episode, we had a guest who was one of our first guests on the podcast, just ever. Uh, Whereas this week, we're joined by one of our first guests of this year, and their name is also Laura. Uh, But this time, it is film blogger Laura Filmer. Hello, Laura. Hi, thank you for having me back. Absolutely. It's a pleasure having you on. How how are you? It's uh, I would say it's 
you know, a lot colder now, but I guess last time it was also cold because it was January, February sort of time. I am surprised at how long it's been. Like, it does not feel like the last time I was on Well Good Movies was, like, January, February. It feels like it was literally, like, a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's scary how much this year's gone by. So how how has the last year been for you in terms of uh, film watching? I know you've had your list, which we talked about all that time ago, and there's been many things in the cinema. I kind of went off like tangent at the back end of the summer, and I always end up in like a space every year where I kind of don't feel like watching like movies, and I kind of go on to somewhere else. So like the last few weeks, I've been like listening to a lot of albums and reading a lot more. But I, I know, like, probably once it gets after Christmas, I'll be back into, like, films and do what I did last January and watch about 40 films in January. That sounds like, um, yeah, when people, like, try and stop drinking, you're, you're just like, film January. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Movie binge January. <laughs> just have a little chart on your wall, like, with a, like a pint glass, but it's just films. <laughs> going in. But, uh, yeah, well, we look uh, forward to discussing today's film uh, with you later, Laura. Uh, now, also similar to last time, we were joined uh, by a new guest. And uh, this time we've got uh, a new guest joining us this time as well. Uh, so it is senior staff writer at What to Watch Now, Lucy Buglas. Hello, Lucy. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, no problem. Yeah. You're so welcome. thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah, it's been a uh, long time coming and uh, yeah, we're just really happy to have, as we mentioned before recording this, two Northerners with us as we weren't <laughs> sure at the beginning, but you know, before recording, we can confirm Yeah, <laughs> there's a uh, both from the North. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of home. It's nice hearing Laura's voice. <laughs> it's kindred spirit. It's nice finding like more like Northerners like on Twitter, like on Twitter, like everybody who I've ever met on Twitter seems to be from the South or Wales. Yeah, I know, right? Or like, yeah. or like Sheffield, but it's never, it's never, it's never higher than Sheffield. I'm like, where's no, like it never is. North? <laughs> Where's like Newcastle, right? But your tea sites, like that's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Love that. Love that. Uh, it's bloody Welsh, Craig. Where we take over <laughs> everything. <don't we? laughs> I mean, that is a criticism of the Welsh that I find surprising. Them having the ability to take over anything. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely not. That's why I was surprised. I, I don't hear that very often. No offense intended. No, no, it's fine. We love, we love the Welsh. It's fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we uh, look forward to discussing uh, this film uh, with both of you. Uh, we'll uh, learn more about your writing and your film uh, preferences uh, later on, Lucy, when we start talking about today's film. Uh, but uh, for now, uh, let's uh, go on to uh, what we'll be discussing. Before all of that, just a reminder to anyone listening that if you could please follow us and rate, review the podcast on places like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And please do interact with us on social media like Instagram and we were just mentioning Twitter where you can find us at Well Good Movies. All of it really helps us in terms of growing the podcast and it means we can see what you guys want to hear and enjoy the most out of the show. Uh, so let's get on with today's episode. So uh, first up, the film we are discussing today. So Craig, for those who didn't catch our last episode, check it out if you haven't. Uh, or for those who need a reminder, what is it we're discussing and what led us here today? So our last episode saw us leaving the Halloween month uh, and getting ready for essentially Christmas. So we ended up discussing Nightmare Before Christmas uh, after your emotional plea for the film to be made. So what ends up happening in the end game is that I make an emotional plea for this film on very similar grounds on the basis of it is definitely more Christmassy, gets us in the mood, but just allows us to sort of abandon the last elements of sort of Halloween and the horror escapades 
uh, and I was able to bring us the probably the British underdog film, which was very much Anna and the Apocalypse. Further updates, reports of mass infection with the as yet unidentified virus continue to come in from across the world. Hey guys! Have a good morning. Sure, it'll be the same as always. Can you hear me? I'm a first aider. New Zombies. Not zombies. Oh, right, because that's perfectly normal. I'm ready. Hey, zombies, right? I know. We are not opening the doors. My little girl's out there. I'm getting my dad, all right? How are we going to get past all the zombies? I just had the best idea ever. This is the stupidest idea ever. All right, losers. The streets are chaos and the outlook is dire. What do I do? Make the movie! Destroy the brain! We go through here, we might make it to the school before sundown. Plus, it'll be fun. Yeah, certain death is so much fun. <gasps> this isn't fun anymore. Hashtag evac selfie. Well, we all deserve to go extinct. Yep, so today we are talking all about Anna and the Apocalypse from 2017. Uh, we can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the film, uh, go through some fun trivia and our usual fun challenges, plus undertake our usual task of deciding whether today's film deserves a place in our movie vault, our vault that encapsulates exceptional films for all time. Now, onto the details of Anna and the Apocalypse, today's film. So this was released, as I said, in 2017. Uh, the summary, uh, basically, for it is a zombie apocalypse threatens the sleepy town of Little Haven, at Christmas, forcing Anna and her friends to fight, slash, and sing their way to survival, facing the undead in a desperate race to reach their loved ones, but they soon discover that no one is safe in this new world, and with civilization falling apart around them, the only people they can truly rely on are each other. Oh, Laura sh shedding a tear there, I think. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, in terms of the cast, uh, as Craig has sort of alluded to, this uh, includes like a massive sort of British cast, many recognizable faces from television, etc. Uh, it stars Ella Hunt as Anna Shepard. You've also got Malcolm Cumming as her friend John. Uh, also in there, you've got Sarah Swire, uh, Christopher Louveau, Marley Siu, Ben Wiggins, Mark Benton, Benton. Paul Kay. Uh, along with Ewan Bennett, uh, Ella Jarvis, Ruth McGee, uh, Kirsty uh, Strain, Daniel Cahill, and Therese Bradley, and many others. Obviously, this is set in a school, so I'm sure you've got lots of uh, extras and cast members uh, in there. In terms of uh, your production credits, you've got uh, John McPhail, who directed uh, this film, 
And the writing credits go to Alan McDonald and Ryan McHenry. So uh, a bit of the McDonald rep there as well, Craig. Is, is there actually a relation? Did they actually, you know, convince you to put this film in? <laughs> um, and yeah, so released that in joke got exactly what it deserved, David. I, I thought I just <laughs> you, let that you happen. You caused that, Craig. You you made the silence. Uh, and yeah, if it wasn't clear by the description of what we've been mentioning, this is a comedy horror musical which includes zombies, Christmas. So it's a big mix in terms of like genres and the type of stuff you might expect from like a, I guess, lower budget British film. Uh, This is one where you kind of see at the opening, it's been funded by, you know, lottery funding, etc. It's come from like a director who's been involved more uh, in television, etc. So kind of similar to where we were talking about the origins of Paddington a few weeks ago. Um, but maybe not hitting that kind of level of budget. Uh, but this has definitely become quite a you know well-renowned film in terms of especially British film fans. And I think a lot of like uh, film journalists and stuff really sort of talked a lot about this when it first came out. And it has stood out as a kind of exceptional film in terms of being a musical, being a zombie film, being a Christmas film. You know, it ticks a lot of those boxes. Um, and as it's streaming on Amazon Prime at the moment, then it's a you know a great time to to check it out. So before deep diving into things like story, characters, all the songs, as we mentioned before, Lucy, you're uh, new to the podcast today. So uh, before we get going on, you know, all our thoughts, could you just tell us a bit about yourself and your work as a writer? Yeah, so um, I'm originally from Newcastle, if it wasn't obvious enough. Um, and I moved down here a few years ago to study film. Uh, flash forward a few years, I've been writing for What to Watch for a couple of years now. Uh, kind of broke into film journalism after I originally had a little blog that I set up and it all kind of went from there, really. Um, yeah, so nine to five, do predominantly television writing, but I also write about films like reviews sometimes as well. Um, so at the moment, we're very... <laughs> heavy into like stuff like Strictly and I'm a Celeb is kind of that sphere at the moment but we do do things like Netflix and Prime and stuff I'm just I'm just very busy it's, it's a very busy November um so yeah I joke that I get paid to watch TV for a living and it's kind of true that's kind of what I do <laughs> uh it's a great job I always do respect the TV reviewers you know because again you know every, every reviewer is obviously doing a great service but television reviewing like I said you know especially with something like I'm a celeb or something you're there every night you know it, yep. it takes a lot and especially the people who you know Netflix they're like here's 12 episodes of something and you're like where do, where do you find the time I don't know <laughs> yeah it can be tricky and I think you know we kind of have this debate in the office about sort of like the weekly release versus the binge watch culture and I'm since since it became my job I prefer the weekly release because it gives me some breathing space frankly um you know if I've got 20 episodes to watch right there right now I'm like oh my god like I can't do it you know it's really hard so but hey you know I, I love my job I love what I do um yeah every day is a it just depends what what's trending what's going on you know I've got to stay on my toes I'm on Twitter a lot to look at what, what's happening um that's kind of what I, you know, so you have to put up with me tweeting a lot annoyingly. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 a fun little job. Um, at the moment, like I say, it's more reality, but my boss tends to put me on horror because nobody else in the office likes it, so it's quite nice. And I'm a big horror fan. That's good then. So, mm. and and that brings us perfectly on to like, you know, what, what are your sort of favourite okay. genres, any favourite films that stand out, uh, or even sometimes the opposite, you know, what are things you can't stand or don't like? <laughs> um, no, so I think for me, like horror, thriller, anything that's quite dark, like cat and mouse. So my favourite film of all time is The Silence of Alarms because it just has everything. 
you know, it's got, you know, the, the, the spooks. It's got the excellent casting. It's got, you know, the kind of back and forth kind of playing with each other kind of dynamic with Ryan stuff. It's, it's, it's brilliant. Um, I love... I love the Saw movies, controversial. I think they're great. I think they're you know, just bloody fun. Um, I love the classical horrors like Halloween, Friday the 13th. I'm, you know, pretty deeply rooted in horror at this point. Um, in terms of what I dislike, probably like rom-coms, I guess. Not really my thing. Um, or anything that, you know, anything that's a bit too cheesy. I mean, I'm I'm breaking into Hallmark Christmas movies, though. People have kind of twisted my arm and I'm loving those, which is kind of off-brand for me, but they're fun. Um, but yeah, I tend to stay away from anything a bit too sickly sweet and grim and whatever. Like it's not really my job. My job. And I, I like horrible things. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I tend to look at like true crime, horror, thriller, anything like that. Cool. Yeah. So you prefer to see like the young couples getting like <laughs> tortured instead of like falling in love and going on a honeymoon or something. <laughs> I, I suppose so. Yes. And I say that, but like people will know me that I, I do cry at films a lot. So you'll they'll probably be like, yeah, you, you try to be your door tough and watching your horror films, but, but I do cry. <laughs> and I cried at this film actually, which we'll get on to, but uh, uh, yeah, it's uh yeah. I, I just, I like a good story. I like a bit of substance. I think it is, is, is a, a fair assessment. I don't mind a bit of romance as long as it's not just like, I don't know generic boy meets girl boring stuff i want i want a bit more meaty kind of you know like i think like eternal sunshine or something that's a bit more deep and whatever that's my kind of thing um yeah sorry rambling there but yeah i guess i'm just more into like the darker kind of human psyche thing really gets me going i love that no yeah no it's uh the stuff we love to hear and it's always a tricky one isn't it when you're asking especially like film reviewers or writers oh, yeah. you know what do you not like because so many people were like well i like everything which is why they went into yeah you know the industry and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and yeah you know horror is definitely one that you know comes up a lot on here uh science of the lambs i don't think we've had as a favorite which is you know good good to hear that one <laughs> even though of course it's a very very famous film mm. um and yeah i guess obviously you know that kind of like obscure kind of creepy stuff has been very relevant at the moment coming out of Halloween and you know I was saying in those episodes yeah. that there seemed to be even more of an influx of that with Netflix especially you know they were doing you know Wendell and Wilde and uh, mm-hmm. the Cabinet of Curiosities as well oh yeah that did accept that did very well lots of people were watching that actually I don't know if you guys caught any of them but it was a real mixed bag but all anthologies are it's on my watch list but it's like i said last time i was just like oh the further i get from halloween is you know i don't know how much <laughs> chance it's got of like staying in you know the top priority of the watch list but we've talked a lot yeah. about Gilmero del toro this year so it that you know that kind of is clinging on in terms of me uh, hoping to to get to watch it but people do love an anthology in terms of i think the popularity of them because they know that there's no big commitment i guess I'm the complete opposite to Lucy. I hate horrors and thrillers and psych films, but the only brand like branches of horror that I love, I love zombie films, I love vampire films, but the only things horror related you will get me watching. So I hadn't seen Anna and the Apocalypse before, but then as soon as, as I found out it was a zombie film, I was like, okay, this is right up my street. But I also have a soft spot for musicals. So again, right up my street. And I'll be honest. I when I like heard about it and like read like like the bio like for it, I was like, mm. I was like, this could be like horrendous. I was like a zombie musical at Christmas, and I love story. I was like, mm. and actually, it was a lot better than I actually expected it to be. 
And yeah, funny enough as well, I think this is one which is based a lot on, you know, kind of looking at reviews. I know uh, one of my friends who kind of watches, you know, the films along with the podcast, you know, I told him what we're discussing in the next one and they were like, oh, I'm not sure if that sounds for me, but I specifically sent him the screenshot of a review uh, on like IMDb or something saying like, I don't usually like musicals, but this one, you know, so I was just like, which seems to be a trend for a lot of these kind of like projects in which they're a different type of musical. Um, I think there's, you know, a lot of similar films out there like that. But also just to give sort of like add on to your point as well, Laura. So for those who haven't heard the last episode, basically I only watched this film for the first time about two weeks ago because me and my friend, we were just watching random things and this film was suggested to her after we ended up watching the film Killer Pinata together. <laughs> and that is that is something of a film insofar as I think it is like the room-esque levels of filmmaking. It's odd. So when that was suggested after this, I was like, okay, so this is obviously going to be like quite cringe sort of like horror musical mashup. So again, I think like everyone else, I was just very surprised at what ended up happening yeah and i think like lucy i i it had been on my radar for a long time i had seen it on the front of magazines etc but i just you know just never got the chance to watch it but i guess i was a bit more like oh this should be up my street this seems you know pretty good but there was some sort of question marks around like you know maybe the type of story it would be um or you know how how heavy were they going to go in on this idea sometimes you can kind of be missold you know like it's projects like that which like oh we're this big christmas zombie musical and then you're like oh actually it's only like 15 minutes at the end or something like that so yeah i was kind of like cautious in that sense but yeah it was definitely a fun one to suggest because yeah wasn't one that i'd seen and you know it's we've talked a lot about big movies so this is nice to talk about like this smaller british film for myself it might be a bit of a bump, I'm sorry, <laughs> but not a full bump. I'm not, I'm just not sure about it, but we'll we'll get on to that. So, Laura, we'll go to yourself first. What 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 is your initial reactions to it? Building in mind what you just said, you're a big fan of musicals, you like zombie films. What did you come out of watching this film, thinking, feeling? I felt it was a film of two halves. Like, the first half seemed like pure zombie, like, survival mode, and then the second half was very emotional and felt like a completely like different film i did overall i did enjoy it i did find it was very cringy at times it was like oh jesus it was like the type of school cringiness you see in pretty much every tv show now where writers i don't think know how to write a teenager but i do feel it was very split like halfy half with it i feel like if it was it would have probably been even better if they'd have either stuck to one theme stuck to being the pure survival mode or stuck to the emotional route throughout the entire thing if you can't get where i'm coming from i kind of don't want to give too much away like and say oh by the way and x x, x, yeah. x dies yeah i don't want to give no, too that's much true. away we'll have a point in which we saw say like spoilers after yeah. our initial reactions i guess but uh yeah interesting for a film that like you said is a musical zombie film christmas film but it's not so much those kind of themes or genres. Like you said, it's actually maybe the emotional story stuff and the the pacing, which was uh, a problem for yourself. Uh, Lucy, you know, you already teased as to, to your thoughts. What, what what did you think? Yeah, it was, I, yeah, exceeded expectations, to be honest. Um, I think I was too hard on it going into it, to be honest, because I was like, okay, this is a quite an ambitious thing to do. Like I said earlier, you know, like there's a whole host of genres going on here, conflicting genres at that. 
you know, I know horror and comedy do go well together, but it has to be written incredibly well. And I do think it was. There was some hilariously laugh out loud moments, which like there's one scene I'd like to talk about later, which is just perfect. Um, and I, I just was like, yeah, this was brilliant. Like I, I really can't fault it. I think I went on such an emotional roller coaster with it. Like I was laughing, crying, cringing, <laughs> you know, sometimes because of the blood, sometimes because of the like Laura said, the, the cringe teenage content. I thought it kind of satirized the musical genre well. It just it just worked for me, like on so many levels. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So quite a mix of uh, opinions there, I guess. And yeah, I think and it comes down to what we've talked about other times during the year in which it very much depends on like whether this is your bag of like having this reaction of just like, yeah, I just couldn't get on board with it. Or it was just, you know, whether it's your cup of tea or not, or, you know, whether it should be your cup of tea, whether you're watching it, like I should like this, but it's just something that's not connecting. Um, I think I was sort of similar with Laura, just maybe not having that same reaction of having the kind of like, oh, I'm enjoying the, the satire here with the cringe stuff, I was kind of more cringing at it and being like, uh, you know, this is kind of like predictable stuff, which I wasn't enjoying. I just think you're a heartless individual, David. I can't, I can't lie. <laughs> yeah. I, I have now become Scrooge. This is twisted around since the beginning of the episode. Look, I've, I've often just expected that I'm going to find a lot of things about teenagers are a little bit cringe. And there definitely are yeah. moments in the film where I'm just like, these reactions don't exactly seem at odds with what i'd expect so for example i think i think the things with the ball pit are absolutely stupid both like forcing zombies into the ball pit but also essentially the pirate of the caribbean-esque like protection strategy i think elements of like that i think is forced comedy which is is odd but for me, I think it's I, I just think it's significantly outweighed by a lot of the emotional moments. I think a lot of sort of dynamics, especially p- between, say, family members or just, you know, uh, people you you have close bonds with. I think there are going to be elements of like bit bit cringy, but fundamentally when the emotional aspects hit home, I think they do really hit home. Um, so I think it was able to sort of win win me on board with that. And I think also I have a sort of when it comes to musical anyway, sort of like suspension of to what extent I find people annoying, I guess. Like at the point where it's a musical, I find you can get away with some like more upbeat, weird attitudes. Um, so yeah, I, I was able to sort of get on board, uh, get on board with the film and, so, and like remain on board. Yeah, I think that it's similar in a way, Craig, to like Rent for me as well, in which I'm like, I can see this as a production. It works for me. But I was like, I kind of would appreciate it maybe more on stage because you can kind of get involved in that cheesiness. I think sometimes for me, I just have very a firm line on what works musical wise on film as opposed to stage. So here I was kind of like struggling a bit more in that sense. Like Lucy, what was it for you? Where, you know, you were saying that you sort of got on board. Did you sort of enjoy the the story more or did you sort of, in, like you said, it was more the, the musical moments and the kind of how heavy they go on some of the visuals and the the scenes and action moments yeah i, th- I think I'm, I'm pretty much on, on board with craig here i think um you know the, the suspension of disbelief for musicals is a big thing for me because you know i i think by nature they're supposed to be a bit cringe and you know in in real life we don't just start bursting into song and doing dancing on like school tables so for me for me the fact that it went hard and it sort of you know d- 
either had serious sort of ballad moments or it had like kind of really jolly kind of like um you know on the table singing about like how how rubbish school is and whatever like like it, it just worked for me and I just think it, it was doing it in a comedic way it was doing it to sort of be like you know that there's an apocalypse going on and we've still got time for a sing song I just I can't really explain it I just thought it just they just the pacing and sort of the, the tone of it just 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 worked for me in that sense because I'm fussy with musicals so this is a surprise I, I didn't think I would like it as much as I did but I think there's a lot of self-awareness in the film that I was really on board with I loved like every single song like I was with it being such obviously like a low budget British film I didn't expect the songs to be that good like they were like, incredible but but talking about self-awareness one thing I did notice was I found that all of like, the characters like like the main like Anna's like main little group they were all very relatable and mm. that's one thing that in films I find like rare to relate to a character or to think oh, actually I know people who like like just like them and it was quite nice just to be able to be like huh this is like very realistic characters that's definitely what I found ironically uh against what you said uh towards the beginning of the discussion one of the things I found early on in the school environment was like, you know what? They understand what a lot of high school culture in the UK looks like, um, especially when it came to bullies, because obviously a couple of episodes, I had a massive rant about like uh, a particular film we had to watch and the way in which it depicted bullying is like a sort of like a needlessly malicious force. Obviously, some bullying can be like, that. I'm not going to get into the actual dynamics of that. Yada, yada, yada. I still don't like Paranorman. But specifically when it was just like that one group of lads who end up becoming like the militia towards the end of the film, where literally they only do like dickheaded things because it's just like, oh, look, it's there. Let's let's just screw with it. It's like, you know what? Yeah, sometimes that is just all it is. It's unfortunately they happen across you and that's when they're just like, we're going to do things. We're just going to do things. It did come across to me as kind of like in between as esque in that way. And I yeah. will give it credit for the sense that like, I think that while I'm not sure if I believe that's a, an entire school for like, you know, year seven to 13 or whatever, I believe that like, you know, because she said she's going to uni, I was like, yeah, I believe that you are potentially in sixth form, etc. I didn't, it wasn't a grease moment of like, you are clearly <laughs> 30, 40 years old or anything. So I felt that, you know, they played the parts well, and it seemed as if they were going with the kind of like college sixth form vibes in terms of like the cast and the location, stuff like that. I mean, it clearly was because how many, how many other students are expected to be in school? Like, what, two days before Christmas, perhaps? Like, I, there was very clearly just the sixth formers are just in. Yeah, and you can relate a lot to the like, oh, I have a car in the car parks. Like, you can't put that on school property and stuff. It's like, that's very much school vibes of just like, oh, you're allowed to drive, but you're not allowed to bring your vehicle to the place where you, you could drive <laughs> now that you can. It's like, yeah, I, I, I thought that that aspect worked to it. And I think like Laura was saying as well, I think that the characters are relatable. I think that it's just some of the script for me, I felt was a bit cliche in the way that they interacted or said things like some jokes, I think, landed for me. I was like, oh, that's quite clever. But then other times I was like, that was a bit predictable. But again, I guess that comes into the musical stuff. But I thought that they did a good job as well of just having like a good coverage of different types of people, different types of students. Even that song, I think, where it's like Hollywood ending, the fact that, well, one, there's, you know, one of the main characters is saying about how she's got a girlfriend. Um, and I guess the fact that she's like American or something as well is sort of maybe a bit of commentary there about uh, overseas students, etc. But there's that aspect but it isn't just she's the one token character it's like in Hollywood ending you were seeing lots of different types of 
interactions and girls and boys, boys looking at other boys, girls and looking at other girls, etc. I thought that they did a good job of representing modern UK teenagers, basically. As well as the teenagers who want absolutely nothing to do with the music and dancing, considering that some of the boys were going to get involved and that one guy just looked at him and was like, what are you doing? Just, no. <laughs> We talked um, a bit about the songs there, and uh, so you guys were saying about some of the highlights. Uh, what what are the other standouts, Lucy? What what what's what, some of your favorite songs? It's called "Turning My Life Around." It's the one where she wakes up and then everything seems seemingly overnight just yeah. gone haywire. Yeah, uh, I love this because it again the self awareness. It's hilarious. I genuinely burst out laughing when I realized there was like an overturned car and someone was getting mauled by a zombie. And she's just like dancing in the street with the headphones in, living her best life. And, and she, she repeatedly sings the phrase, I'm miles away. And she is literally miles away. <laughs> um, and it's just it's just funny to me because, you know, it, it starts from being what is essentially like, you know, a sort of typical, like, like you were saying about the, the commentary on like UK schools, which I think is spot on. Um, quite trivial, quite like, oh, hate school, man, hate all this, whatever. And then you, you kind of transition into this is the least of your problems because look, look around you look what's actually going on you know um and I do think especially watching this in a in a sort of I don't want to say post-pandemic world because unfortunately we're just going to always have the pandemic but you know what I mean like you know we, we're through the restrictions but, but we've almost had this sort of mass hysteria that, that she's going through and like seeing that through a lens now is kind of like oh my god yeah like there's a lot of references to lockdowns and stuff that's, that's actually quite eerie now when you when, when you look back um, but no, this particular scene is brilliant. I love the way it's um, choreographed. I just think it's absolutely hilarious. And um, the transition on her mate John as well is great. It's just, it's it's, it's my favourite. It's just, it's so funny. The one that was the worst in terms of post-pandemic was just the very start of the film where it was just like, and record, you know, like cases are going up and they're just like, just turn that off. That doesn't matter. And you're just like, oh yeah. God, it gives me <laughs> such bad reminders of what Yeah, what I know. It's just, it's very strange. Because obviously this was filmed way before we, we even knew this was going to happen. So it's, it's quite weird watching it now. Exactly. And the fact that we've had this and we watched 28 days later, like, you know, like two months oh, ago man, or something. Yeah. It's quite the <laughs> you double You know what's bill. even creepier? We watched Contagion a few months back and I forgot just like, because I'd, I'd watched it years ago, I forgot just how like accurate it was to everything that happened before. I was just sat there like, oh yeah. my God, like it was quite surreal. It's why I refuse to watch the film. Yeah, yeah I, I haven't seen it. I don't want to. <laughs> Yeah. people said that during the pandemic and they, they were like oh like the top 10 like pandemic films to watch is like i don't want to be reminded of this when we're that, in yeah. it yeah <laughs> but yeah I, I do think just watching zombie films in in general now is just it, it's interesting that we have that kind of context i will say lucy i also love that song for two reasons oh yeah one because it was very much just like essentially shawn of the dead-esque insofar as exactly it's yeah. basically just yeah. her walking through and everything also I don't know whether this is just because of how few zombie films I've seen, but I feel like it's the first time I've I've actively seen a baby being devoured by a. Oh my god! Yes, a... I forgot about that. That oh was god, yes. mortifying. I was literally there, like, wait, what? You you're not seriously leaving the the baby? Oh god! The style they go with as well for like you know because there's always the thing of like what type of zombie are you going for? So I think that that plays a big part of this film as well in terms of like when some of those moments like work extremely well when they're a bit more like odd when they're a bit more comedic 
um yeah i think and for me that def that song is definitely a highlight because but i think it goes to kind of what laura was saying i think it's the two halves thing for me that's actually when it worked the best and i actually thought mm. why didn't you open with this i i would have loved if the film op- not so much opened so you never saw the real world but i kind of wanted this like sooner to kind of embrace that madness and kind of get into oh, it sooner yeah yeah, I don't know if you agree, Laura. Does that go into your half and half thing, or do you think that that's something different for you? No, I'd say it's something different. Like for me, when everything changed was when a certain person who you did not expect to get bitten and <laughs> ripped apart. From that moment, that's when things really started. I'd say to change. I'm right. not going to say anymore because I don't want to spoil it. But we all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I feel like we're at the point where we should just be like, okay, we're now yeah. going to have spoilers. We'll get to it. We'll get well. We'll, okay, we'll go to that. Well, for, first, Laura, what what's your favorite song? Oh, Hollywood ending. Like I've mm. got when I was watching the film when they were doing Hollywood ending, it gave me major High School Musical vibes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally, yeah. all I can think was it's just like High School Musical, but in a British school, and I loved it. Yeah, that was a status quo song, is it? They're like, stick to the yeah, stuff you exactly know. exactly that. <laughs> One of the ones I really loved was The Soldier at War. I don't know if that was just because it was catchy. I, or... oh, I was going to say, that's the one song that's been stuck in my head. But yeah. for me, that was also... That song onwards was like the turning point for me of the film. That was mm. where I felt like the vibe of this film has definitely changed from just we're a bunch of average teenagers trying to like survive zombie apocalypse at christmas to just we're gonna go we're gonna go full on and this is the point where we're gonna start losing people left right and center that's not my favorite song there are some of the lyrics in that i find really really stupid but i understand why it is your favorite yeah it's just it is the earworm thing you said there and i think some of it again is into some of the weird humor i'm like why are they doing this where's this come from again like some of the <laughs> visuals i'm like this is odd like i i like i enjoy the aspect of like going from the bullies to the kind of militia aspect and the fact that they've become kind of sort of theatrical and elaborate through this scenario um, that they survive I- with the military just fail is always where i'm like wait what <laughs> And I did enjoy, like, I think that that's where it works again. I, I think sometimes in terms of like the sort of production values doesn't always like set it up the best, but the actual performances are what sell it. So in that moment where they're kind of like, he's up on the trolley or whatever it is, you know, with his hands on his hips and his friends are just there like looking off in the distance and they all look like kind of they're doing this epic pose. And then the other characters just walk in like, you know, what's going on? What, you know, what's this about? And the fact that they like, stick to it, they're still doing it as they walk over, I thought was was quite effective. But yeah, it was just a lot of fun visuals and a very like catchy kind of rhythm to that song. For me, I've got an unconventional choice of favourite song. Um, and weirdly as well, I think it goes definitely with the um, with like the COVID context that we now have. But it's a uh, but my personal favourite at the moment is Human Voice, that song that they're singing when they're trapped in the bowling alley and then going to some of the characters who trapped uh, trapped in school. Uh, and I just looking on the internet, looking for answers, I was like, yeah, if there's a song that really contextualises how all of us must have felt during the last like two years of our life, it's got to be that, that song. But it's also the sort of song that I could just imagine hearing randomly on the radio, because I'm not sure if you'll agree with me on this, David, but a lot of the songs felt like they could have been produced by like say like second wave era the wombats yeah and i kind of had not in the sense that they sounded like 
the Grey Showman, but it had that essence of like let's take pop music and kind of apply it to a musical sensibility yeah. aspect to it. So yeah, I, I kind of felt that like yeah, Brit pop kind of like yeah. aspect to it, mm-hmm. you know, quite worked. I actually thought like when you first start talking about like unconventional choice. And because of our conversation at the start of the episode, I was like, oh, maybe it's this one. And then when you were just like, oh, and uh, this is how we were all feeling during the pandemic. I was like, oh, I hope it's not this one. It can't be. I thought you were going to say give them a show (laughs) just because of the lunacy and the villainy of that. But I was like, Craig can't be saying that. That would be horrific. (laughs) No, it wouldn't be that. If if anything, I I felt like saying as as a joke, my favorite song in the film was Fish Rap. (laughs) <laughs> oh, but it's brilliant though. It's such a good song. <laughs> Rapping yeah. for the hell of it, a nice bit of hell of it. It's just it's bang, it's a banger. I love it. <laughs> I was tempted to try and make that our intro, Craig, just like both of us. <laughs> yeah. I mean on the official soundtrack is 40 seconds long. That's that's all they've got of that song. I mean, also just the the song which was being sung about Santa, which was so graphically like, come on, Santa, like let's just the unload the sack line i was just like yeah oh, i couldn't believe like that's where again i was just on this line of like i don't know if i should be laughing or because what made me laugh by some of these songs and i'm sure you guys agree is just how obvious it was like this is what we want it to be this is what we're going for so the entire like opening song and i think the, the one it ends with is the kind of like you know all i want for christmas is you type song which then sounds like it at the beginning and then just turns into something else and that was yeah very much like santa baby but weirdly more sexual than santa baby and i was kind of like are you trying to yeah that's satirize joke. that yeah i know but it was just like it was just weird how on board with it even she was and i was just like i don't know that's the joke <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it, it it worked for me, I think, because I was expecting Santa Baby and then we got like Santa Baby times a thousand and it was like, Jesus Christ. Especially considering how horrified that one teacher was. He was like, I'm going to kill her. I'm actually going to yeah. kill her. Yeah, it was, yeah. Right, it was right that that woman was like covering her child's like eyes. I think that got over the joke. <laughs> but um, I don't know, maybe it was just because the character wasn't as, you know, sort of sexualized at that stage, even though she was like kissing her boyfriend all the time. I just didn't expect it and it was just yeah it just seemed to like stick out within the film for me but um but i did appreciate just how far you know it was willing to go i love how every shot like why she was singing went to the men in the audience like oh god i can't believe like she sang that in front of his grand We can get into spoiler territory now. So if you haven't seen the film at home and you do want to watch without uh, having it spoiled, then go check it out and come back to this part of the podcast. Um, but yeah, Laura, what you were mentioning that part that sort of lost you. So I guess you can go into a bit more detail now. We are past the kind of spoiler territory. John died. Like, don't get, like that really like hit because it was like completely unexpected. Although saying that, I say it was unexpected. I thought he'd got bitten in like the tree shop when he was like limping when they'd got out of like all the Christmas trees. At that point, I was like, he's been bit. He's definitely been bit. And then when he actually got bit, it was like, oh, it was like, oh, oh, okay. Like it actually wasn't expected in a way because I thought it already happened. Mm -hmm. But I think it was like after that point when they got to the school where things really like started to change, I think a lot of it was actually when the head teacher kind of lost the plot and basically just unleashed them like to the zombies. It was just like, where is this going? Like it changed so much for me. I will give you that. I feel like mm. his it's unclear to me if his plan is literally I'm going to off everyone else and just have a school of essentially peace because the zombies can't do anything or if he was only going to keep some of them alive. It 
seemed a bit weird and extreme, but also like he was basically just a cartoon villain anyway. You know who he actually reminded me of? Has anybody seen um, Fairly Odd Parents? Yeah. The teacher oh, in that who's yeah. like, yes, who's yeah. like obsessed with the like, godparents and he's like, Timmy Turner, like, yeah. I know all about it and like, you he, he can never prove him right. He reminded me so much of him. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I can, I can see that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess like, that's what I thought in my mind. I was kind of like, I don't know what is in his intentions are or like why they've felt they need to put a villain in here because again surely the zombies are the villains i can understand why they why they want to create this idea of potentially there's some force within the school that makes it inherently more dangerous to everything else they've been facing outside so at least there's some escalation of tensions i'm unclear if like like mr savage you know literally living up to his namesake is the way to do that um it also doesn't help the fact that Paul Kay's singing is chaotic, and I felt like his singing like literally sets itself apart from all of the other songs in the musical, which I think always contributes to this idea of like the film of two halves as well. Considering yeah. that like nothing's gonna stop me now is like such a weird song in context of everything else. Yeah, I think that was the most cartoonesque in terms of, like his voice and everything like that add into it. I kind of like enjoyed the lunacy i suppose in the same sense that like the soldiers at war was a bit crazy and having lots of s- silly visuals and like you said i i understood the fact that like this is my time now and this idea of like he's taking advantage of the situation but again it was just a bit confusing as to like how he was taking advantage especially the fact he kidnapped her dad and i was especially towards the end when he said like oh now is like your big moment to come on the stage and i was like i don't get that though because she never went on stage she never because he was like oh you you're showing off again and i was like when did she show off like that was the other kill i was like I, i'm confused like why did you want to kidnap her dad and hold him ransom i was just i just didn't understand that that part of it really it didn't seem to make much sense but it, it seemed like they would have been better off or maybe this is what they wanted going with the kind of dystopian future somebody's made a kind of like cult somewhere and sort of fortified themselves like plant of the apes or uh this is the end where danny mcbride's character leaves and then he kind of like gets involved with these cannibals it seemed like they wanted to do that vibe but it just got a bit confused with the whole rest of the story i do agree in the sense i do think that particular bit you know when they go when they get to the school it does that's where the pacing does drop off a bit i will can see that 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 does happen um i do think though the emotional stuff is done well like just the john death is the bit that that got me man it got me it was horrible like i literally cried i was like what am i doing this is so pathetic (laughs) um and then obviously you have the bit with with the dad which is the um being held ransom yeah um you raised a good point here because i never really considered why he did it savage uh maybe it's just because he's absolutely lost his mind and that's a fair enough motive i suppose um, but compared to the rest of the film, this is definitely probably the weakest part of it until he gets eaten by the zombies and pushed into the, into the crowd and, and, and jobs are good. And that, that's the bit where I'm like, OK, great. Now now, now we're back to it. It, it did lull a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I just think the emotional stuff was done well. I think obviously when her dad gets scratched, that was very sad, too. And I cried again. So I, I, think I cried about three times watching this film. Um, I just think they know they knew when to stop goofing around and they knew when to kind of put the emotional stuff in. Um, if that makes sense, even though it was a bit jarring, uh, the, the transition between we've made it to the school and then why are there zombies in the school? Like, yeah, it's it, it's an, it's an odd transition, sure, but maybe it wasn't supposed to make any sense because 
I guess it wouldn't. It's, it's very chaotic, you know. Um, but it was definitely my weakest part of the film. I I think. Um, but yeah, just the the emotions were high by the by the third act for me. Anyway, I would yeah. say as well, it's useful to look at the school stuff in like in like two halves as well. Yeah, because yeah. obviously you do have them diverging off, and I think some of the film's most poignant moments for me happen in the school anyway. So you have what happens to Chris and uh, to Chris and Lisa. Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. In that scene was just really depressing. You have obviously. Yeah. Uh, Chris finding out about his nan passing and him having the heartbreaking but probably true line of well at least she didn't become one of them sort of line which I was yeah, like holy shit was... yeah and obviously the last interactions between Anna and and her dad the entire film about him not wanting her to like go off etc literally having to end in that in that moment of you have to go now I thought a lot of the characters were gonna were gonna be fine naively <laughs> So I think, you know, zombie films do have this formula, I think, of kind of like, you know, there's like two or three or four survivors and it's usually the main characters. But the fact that they killed off like pretty much everybody prominent, you're like, oh, wow. It's aside from Anna and the large slept, I forgot his name. Nick. And the, uh, Nick, thank you. And the, and the American girl, they were the only three that we really saw emerge. And I was like, fair enough, because, yes, it's predictable in the sense that some of the songs were, you know, um, kind of cheesy musical and you know you could kind of see some things coming and I guess the couple's death was kind of foreshadowed in that sense as well you could kind of see that coming but you know killing off her dad and killing off um other characters I was like oh shit wow that was that was mad <laughs> um I, yeah. I don't know it's just it's, it's just a real mixed bag of emotions I think it's quite it's all over the place but that worked for me in like in like a really weird way yeah because in Shaun of the Dead the only characters out of the group who make out alive are Shaun and Liz like everybody else gets yeah. killed off yeah that's that's a really good point actually yeah but I think when it, you're watching teenagers I think oh no they'll be nice because you know the teenagers the kids the young that's what I was thinking, and they yeah. just went for it and I was like oh like this is brutal and also when you yeah. see them as zombies doing things that show that they retain a little bit of humanity as well you have the moment with uh with Chris and Lisa when they're sort of like uh, I, I don't really know how to describe it sort of walking past each other but you see the hands brush yeah like that was yeah they found that. ways of like bringing in those emo- emotional gut punches I think that that you know that's something I, I would you know credit with as well um is that kind of well you know giving everybody definitely their arc as well and kind of like wrapping up yeah. all of these stories yeah. and I, I suppose that's where it was kind of surprising to me I didn't think it was so much like a flaw of the film because you know, I didn't feel that it was like a, a gap that they should have, you know, they missed. But the fact that it is called Anna in the Apocalypse, you expect this kind of like her to be the kind of big hero character and her be the main one. But because it was such an ensemble and so much about like her and her friends, I was like, oh, I'm surprised this isn't more about Anna, you know, considering the name. But it's almost as if like from what we we're just saying, as if it's like Anna in the Apocalypse because she's the only one left, you know, by the end almost. And I think one of my favorite moments in terms of that imagery and those, you know, kind of metaphors they go for is when they have that song and they're saying, where is the lights? And, you know, John's Christmas jumper is flashing. I was like, I'll give you that. That that was good. Yeah. That that was clever. Yeah. And emotional. Probably getting Lucy in uh, floods of tears again, seeing that. <laughs> oh, moment. honestly, I just spent so much of it crying. It was really cringe, really. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and and I, I didn't expect to because, um, again, you know, it was kind of billed as, you know, horror comedy which it, it certainly is and, and I'm not saying that, that there can't be emotional moments but I was surprised at how well they were done because it could have just goofed around and been stupid but it was very 
very shown as a dead leg, actually. Like I'm, I'm reluctant to make too many comparisons because they are separate films. Mm. Um, but it does certainly borrow things from Shaun of the Dead, but it, but not in the way that it's like ripping them off, if that makes sense. One of the th- things that this film does try to sort of impose is both sort of like a wider knowledge of like zombie awareness. You have the discussions of would X celebrity survive the zombie apocalypse, etc. And also, sadly, the stupidity of humanity insofar as the hashtag evac selfies Oh yeah, we that was to, a nice touch. That was a nice. That was touch. yeah. It saddens me that that is the most realistic thing that the film was able to portray about a zombie apocalypse. I did also note down my, one of my favorite lines, which is "Tay Tay's fine." Yeah, <laughs> when talking about Taylor Swift, I did appreciate that. Like, no, like just how like invested he was in that. I was like, that that's pretty funny because again, yeah. I thought that's where there was the balance, the bit of half and half for me. Where sometimes they would go with the typical like, oh, a zombie has farted, or like you know, like we've hit this woman on the head by accident. That was balanced by then still like clever lines like that. I thought. Lucy, any other last thoughts uh, on the movie, the ending, or just, you know, the film as a whole? Yeah, I think the ending is an, an interesting one to discuss because I think, you know, you guys did 28 Days Later, you said, like, recently. Um, and you look at the ending of that, and that kind of ends, doesn't it? Because it's kind of like, okay, they've got the, the banner out, like, hello, we're here, <laughs> and then it ends. And it's kind of like, I, I don't think you can really have a clear-cut ending for a zombie film because, like Craig was saying, the world has completely changed. It's kind of open to interpretation. Do they get help? Do they go to a place that doesn't have any zombies? We don't really know. We can just we can just sort of let our mind make that decision, or we can just let it let it be. And I think it was it was a nice enough ending. Um, and and like I kind of alluded to the jump scare with a little zombie at the end there. That was a nice little. I don't know if it was intentional, but it reminded me of the way Scream ends. Yeah. Because but because you have that thing at the end of Scream, you know, when they kind of pan away from the house and then Gore's face pops up one last time. Um, nice little touch there. I really enjoyed that. Um, and kind of you know again. <laughs> Again, the self-awareness of, of, of the, whole, the whole thing. But and the I fact think he's just, Santa, a yeah. Santa one as well, especially. They're like, this exactly, is what this film exactly. is. <laughs> yeah, and I just think, yeah, driving off, leaving the town, like going past the, you know, the thanks for visiting sign, you know, just mm. it's an end. It is what it is. And I, I, I liked it. I thought I kind of sat back and went, well, that was a that was a good film. And that was that. Laura, you had a you you had a reaction there to the jump scare. Did that <laughs> did that get you? Oh, that really <laughs> did get me because it oh. that's what, <laughs> That honestly, that's probably one of the most effective jump scares that I've actually like ever seen because it was completely mm. unexpected. Like in in a lot of films, it's like yeah, there's definitely a jump scare coming. Like you know, you can kind of prepare yourself for that. Just no, no preparation at all, just out of nowhere. All right, take those cassettes, rewind them, and play them again because it's time for VHS corner. So. Here's a little bit about the behind the scenes of this film. I would say, obviously, because it's not like a massive blockbuster, there's not as much information about this film, but I still think there are things which are important to discuss. The first most important thing to note is about one of the major creative forces behind this film uh, being Ryan McHenry. So one of the writers, and it was also his original short short film, Zombie Musical, that that this film was basically adapted from and essentially turned into this film. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2015 uh, due to cancer. He battled with this for a long time to the point of even thinking that uh, the cancer had gone, but but unfortunately returned and he did die. Um, But as evident with this film, he has a very dark sense of humour. So he even tweeted two days before he died, 
uh, I've been on this earth for 10,000 days, and yet not one of you have sent me a single card. So it's very clear the sort of mentality that he de definitely has. But this film does obviously acknowledge him in a big, I say a big way. It, the film closes with a dedication to McHenry in the credits. So um, obviously he definitely has like his last sort of impact on the film. He was also widely respected uh, to the point of uh, celebrities such as Ryan Gosling were also uh, doing dedications to him uh, for his death as well. So even though like not the biggest name is one that will very much be missed within the circles. Okay, so now on to more of the uh, more of the film, specifically about the inspiration. Director John McPhail has said that Anna and the Apocalypse was influenced by a number of different films. Some of them we've mentioned, some of them we haven't. So here's basically the entire list of everything that inspired this film. It starts with West Side Story, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, The Breakfast Club, the musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Once More with Feeling, Night of the Living Dead. Dawn of the Dead, The Evil Dead, The Happiness of the Katakuris, and, we've already mentioned it, Shaun of the Dead. The crop tops and the, shorts, uh, the short shorts in the film were inspired by the costume design in the slasher film Sleepaway Camp. So there's a lot of inspirations going on there, and I think even probably more that haven't even been listed. Now to go on to the production about this film insofar as uh, where it was filmed. Obviously it was filmed uh, basically in Port Glasgow, Scotland, and a number of different locations uh, around there. Some of the interesting things about that is that the shots of them walking through the, uh, the city centre uh, were filmed at an abandoned Freeport shopping village just outside Livingston. So all of that was just there, just abandoned. So they were able to basically have free reign of the entire location. Uh, the Snow Angel scene in the play park uh, was filmed on location in Port Glasgow. Uh, in the middle of winter, but unfortunately no song, uh, snow, so they had to use entirely fake snow. And probably the most depressing part of this is that the school that, that the film was filmed at was St. Stephen's High School in uh, Inverclyde, Scotland, uh, which got demolished in 2019. So unfortunately, gone at the point of discussing this. And finally, to talk about there was meant to be a lot more in this film. So we might have talked about things that we think should have been in this, should have been missed, that we felt were missing. Here is the number of things that could have been in the film, but didn't make it for different reasons. In the original cut of the film, there was a song called Which Side Are You On? performed specifically between Tony Savage, sorry, uh, Arthur Savage and uh, Anna's dad, Tony. Uh, so specifically, it was about the idea of him, like it was about his descent into madness and looking at exactly what his plans were. Uh, however, the song was cut from all theatrical releases uh, and previous home releases on DVD due to pacing and to focus more on the main group of kids. Uh, the song is reinstated in the extended version of the Blu-ray released by Second Sight Films. And there was also going to be a full musical opening scene featuring a drunk Santa uh, stumbling through the town centre with the people around him sung What a Time to Be Alive. Uh, it would also feature several minor characters before they were infected, but the scene was cancelled halfway through due to poor weather conditions in Scotland, of course. And yet, this film, even with all of those uh, subtractions, still has three different versions out there today. There's the US cut, which is 93 minutes, 
the UK International Cup, which is 98 minutes, and the Festival Cut, uh, because it was released in a film festival in Dallas, Texas, which is 108 minutes long. So there's still a lot more that we probably haven't even seen that may even address some of the concerns that some of us have. So that's everything from VHS Corner. So was there anything that you found particularly interesting about those facts? Well, the school getting demolished definitely give me like vibes of what you've had in like Wales and Cardiff. I think there's a Doctor Who episode which had a similar situation in which they filmed in like a Cardiff school. It's like, oh, that doesn't exist anymore. So again, very much like with Glasgow, etc., lending itself to the the typical narrative of uh, UK architecture and schools just tells you how good our schools are that half the time it's like oh that i know many people who are just like i went to a school that doesn't exist anymore has burnt down something grim like that so yeah this the the film captured that teenage experience and the production even captured that school experience to some degree i guess uh what about you guys in terms of like the inspiration i saw a lot like nodding and and maybe surprised or not surprised looks for some of the uh films it was inspired by yeah, that was quite a long list of films. Yeah. Uh, some I could see, some I couldn't. West Side Story got a little laugh for me. I am off camera there. Because um, I, I, I can't see it personally. I want to go back and see if I can spot exactly where that uh, tribute is, has come from. Um, but yeah, there was a very extensive list of lots of dead in there. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that extra 10 minutes could have made like a difference with some elements of the, the story, like especially that song that was cut between the teacher and Anna's dad. Like That definitely could have helped narrative-wise as to why the teacher basically lost the plot and decided to just unleash all the zombies at school. It would also explain, presumably, why he tied up Anna's dad. Yeah, that as well. He seems to have a thing against her dad. Like, he seems to really yeah. hate him for, like, no reason. It's just like, what's your problem with him? He just seems like a snob. Is he yeah. meant to be that, like, because they kept going to that guy who had the badge and I was like, is he, because he was like, I will, I'm the headmaster, etc. I was like trying to work out what was happening there because I'm assuming his dad was like the techie and saw a guy and he was sort of treating him like a janitor, but then there was somebody else who was maybe the headmaster, but he was, uh, I don't know. I think that what from what I could gather, the guy retiring was the original headmaster. He was retiring and then the evil teacher, I think he was going to be the headmaster next. Yeah. I thought he was going to be. It was something to do with that. Regarding Anna's dad, I, I think he was just the janitor. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, so maybe something we'll have to we'll have to check out that that Blu-ray edition. Support physical media, guys. We'll, we'll go find it for a future episode. Um, but yeah, lots of uh, interesting stuff there uh, in the movie vault, uh, looking at some of the trivia and, of course, uh, you know, getting some context as to, you know, the film's tribute and uh, some of the way, you know, what led to it being made, uh, which... Uh, yeah, just adds to its kind of overall effect, I guess. Uh, so we finish now our discussion with the movie vault. As I said earlier, uh, this is undertaking our usual task of deciding whether today's film deserves a place in the vault. Our vault that encapsulates exceptional films for all time. Uh, so we like to think of this as kind of like a time capsule of great movies uh, for someone to find in the future. It doesn't always matter about like it's so you know, cultural context or production, etc. But, you know, is this, you know, a, a good movie when watched on its own? Uh, like I said, tricky one for me because, you know, I was so very half and half on it. When I think of things like, you know, the zombie aspect, I've said, you know, before about, you know, the types of zombies that, you know, I find effective. I think obviously the slow type works here for the, the humor and the comedy. 
But I was also thinking about when watching it that I think something that doesn't connect to me with certain zombie films, and I was, I'd was i be interested in what Laura thinks because she mentioned vampire films earlier, is that often I can't think of many zombie films that ever don't have zombies already understood within the world. There's always this, oh, they're a zombie. I know what a zombie is. It's almost as if they're just taking place in our world in which we have all of this understanding and media about zombies. So they almost treat them with a kind of like knowledge of what they already exist and who they are and you know like they're already like oh i know this because i've been in this you know i've seen this film before so i think sometimes that kind of like is a struggle for me to get over with just the kind of genre as a whole but yeah i just felt it was very 50 50 in terms of some great visuals some very tv looking some fantastic funny lines you know stuff that was going on which you know was was very funny but just some stuff which was more cliche the songs i thought were good um but just not sure if then there was it had its own personality enough for me that it kind of stood out rather than just being catchy pop songs. Laura, what, what do you think, especially when I was making that point about the zombies there? I think I'm a little bit like you, I'm split, but I'd say I'm probably leaning more to it going in because of how unique it is. It's a Christmas zombie musical. Like I've never heard of one before. I can't think of a zombie musical off the top of my head. So I think because it's so unique in that aspect, I think for me, that's why it deserves to go in. Don't get me wrong, it's not a perfect film. It has its flaws. But genre alone, I'd say put put it in the movie vault. Craig, uh, you suggested the film. What, what do you think? I mean, I think you could probably see the sort of biased perspective. I could... So for me, I think what this film definitely should be rewarded for insofar as uh, recognition going forward is ambition. I think there are lots of uh, I think there are lots of films that we've discussed before and I think have ambitious ideas, um, sometimes have more ambitious ideas, but fail more. And those are the ones I sort of I sort of look down on. I think this was such an ambitious idea insofar as like the degree of genre mashing that on paper. And I think we all admitted this to some extent. We expected it not to work at all. So the fact that it's got from what I can understand from this discussion, Two of you a bit like, yeah, it definitely had pros and cons. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. And you're unsure in like the margins of it not working. Versus two of us who I think, I think it's fair to say Lucy probably quite enthralled by this film. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think at the point where it's able to do that, I think it's able to take a lot of those ambitious ideas and actually just make them, in many situations at worst, Medi- at worst mediocre, mostly solid, but some fantastic execution. Um, and I think that insofar as like what I would look for insofar as people trying like genre mashing ambition, I think they've managed to bring in a lot of heart to the point of, I think anyone looking to try ambitious, weird ideas should probably look to this film insofar as what is it that they're able to do to actually create a solid foundation. So I would have it I would have it recognized going forward. And uh, Lucy, what do you think? Obviously, this is your first time on the show, but hopefully like our sort of conversations there sort of helped in sort of like what, you know, what we usually consider and sort of use to justify our points when uh, going in. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously personal bias is to one side. The fact I do actually love it. I, I do genuinely think that a hell of a lot of effort's going into this for an indie production. You know, there's the musical numbers are fantastic. Um, a lot of the actors I didn't actually know. Um, I, I don't know about their musical training. I don't know much about about their career, but they certainly made an impact on me throughout the film. I think performances, cho- choreography, um, 
humor was all nail on the head it's 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 funny it's emotional it has it has a whole range of emotions uh it does falter in the middle but i do think ultimately it's a fantastic effort and like you know like like we've all said a lot of apprehension going in thinking oh that's a lot of genres to play with are you sure it does actually work so i would put it in based on the fact that from what i can see they took a risk and it seriously paid off so yeah that's kind of my justification for it yeah, well, uh, you know, like I said, I, I and I definitely wouldn't be a Scrooge in the sense of, you know, I've, I definitely, especially with the three of you thinking it should go in. And, you know, I think definitely throughout this conversation, I've been more, you know, warmed to the film and, you know, reminded of a lot of its strengths. And even I think when you look at other zombie comedies, you know, a lot of them haven't stuck around. And while I can't say that, you know, this film is brought up to brought up on a weekly or monthly basis, I think that there is still an element of like, because like Laura said, they're so unique that it still has some kind of like staying power. Um, unlike a lot of things, even things like Zombieland, which are quite big, you know, don't you talked about much now. And I think that even a lot of British films have kind of tried to do that whole like, pride prejudice and zombies and you know all of this kind of like let's throw zombies in there and it hasn't always kind of worked out and i think to be fair and credit to this those elements like craig said aren't what like make it fail you know that you know the christmas the zombie the musical aspects still hold up so yeah i think into the movie vault goes anna and the apocalypse I think it's also good to recognise that it also means we're not disrespecting the dead in Ryan McHenry. Uh. <laughs> His one good major point, film, yeah. he got in the movie hall. Yeah. <laughs> we got him a card. Yeah. Also, oh, is now a bad time to mention I've actually worked with Mark Benton, so there's a slight bias on that part oh, okay. as well. <laughs> oh, wow, that's cool. Maybe yeah. a bias as well, because Mark Benton is an orderer. Uh, he is, yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> all making which sense is now. not far from me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, endgame time. So this is a game that I like to lovingly call Are We Facing the Music? Cool. So obviously the thing that I think a lot of people will remember about this film is that it's basically a very, very weird concept for a musical, which got me thinking there are definitely going to be a lot of weird concept musicals out there in the movie world anyway. So I went and looked some up and I, I wasn't disappointed with, with the range of some of the things that I found. So I thought that would be the basis of a nice game. So what I've done is I have the titles of 11 films. Some of them will be musicals that actually exist. Some of them will not be musicals. Whether that means that they're a film or not, I'm not going to tell you. So basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the titles one by one. And you just need to send me in private message on Zoom if you think it is a musical or not a musical. However, before that, we have a bonus game to go alongside it. Before we play any of the rounds, I want you to predict of the 11 films that I've got, how many of them you think will actually be musicals. And then towards the end, if you guess the exact number of musicals there happen to be, I will give you a bonus five points. If neither of you get it, I will potentially give points to the person who is closest, but we'll see when we look at the guesses. Does anyone have any questions about the rules? So can they, is this going to be, can this be like any form of musical, like a film, an actual stage musical? It could be any... They will only, uh, they will only be movies. Okay, okay. Okay, so if you just send me uh, how many you think are movie musicals, 
And before we move on, as always, you'll be playing for the opportunity to choose which film will be discussed in next episode. So before we can have that, we need to know what it is we'll be playing for. So David, suggest to us what your film would be. Uh, So my film suggestion might be one of the oldest suggestions we've had so far. Uh, This film is from 1947. And I just think as we go then closer to the official Christmas episode, this film had a lot of dark themes ended on quite a, you know, dark note. And I think that this is the type of film, especially considering the current circumstances in 2022, that will give us the kind of like hope in humanity, you know, good messages and, you know, is, is a good classic know hollywoods or christmas film uh which i think you know is just well timed and so will juxtapose nicely the kind of like darker themes that we've had in this film fantastic laura tell us about so yours. my film is it's a christmas film it's from 1999 and the main reason i picked it oh sorry i should say there's two reasons i picked it one is it's actually mentioned in anna and the apocalypse not like they didn't specifically mention the movie but they a little sentence one of the characters says is the title of this film. And the other the reason I've chosen it is I watched this film to death as a child and I feel like nobody else knows or has heard about this film. And I don't want like, to say any other thing about what it's about because I feel like it could give it away if you know at all like, what it could be. But it is such... It's a film that I've never met anybody who knows or has heard about it apart from parents. So I really hope I win because I want you to watch uh, it. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So this, I think this is the first time we've had somebody determined to basically only choose their film. Which... <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty Wonderful. Much. Lucy, tell us about your film suggestion. Uh, it's from 1988. It is a very iconic film. Uh, there's debate around whether or not it is indeed a Christmas film. Um, and you're going to know what it is, but... I think it's a very worthy choice. That's about all I can say about it. Okay, the second you The second you said the year, I was like, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. very, very hard to disguise, yeah. To be fair, yeah. in, in last episode, both of our guests end up, ended up wanting to, just, to suggest the same film. Ah. They only realised once they said the year and they were like, <laughs> it's like a creepy animated film. They're like, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. As for mine, my film is from 1998. So again, I wanted to pick something which is synonymous with Christmas, but not so in the Christmas spirit that like, you know, people get suffocated a bit too early. So it's very much a a wintry feeling film, very much like this one was, but less emphasis on Christmas, but more emphasis on sort of the the magical whimsiness of being a child, but also the sort of magical whimsy very much like a zombie film of having somebody rise back from the dead in a completely different animated form. So that's the film that I'm going for. So four interesting suggestions there. 1947, 1999, 1988 and 1998. But obviously we have to get the game one first. Um, <laughs> just to say, Lucy, I still need your your guess of how many mute, uh musicals you think will be suggested movie musicals will be suggested out of how many again 11 okay fine uh have you got mine yeah yeah okay all right so this will be relatively quick fire what i will want you to do is private message me your answers just for verification 
Okay, so your first one, let's start easy. The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. You're just basically wanting yes and no answers. Yeah, so yes, it's a uh, movie musical. No, it's not. Okay, so you have both you have both gone for yeah. <laughs> Am I allowed to say? It? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I said yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so they are both movie musicals. Excellent, uh, David. Are you able to keep score? By the way. Thank you. Okay, number two. The Forbidden Zone. Okay, you've both gone for the same answer again, which is... No. no. <laughs> it is a movie musical. No. I've heard of it. I didn't know it was a musical. Oh, I see. I have heard of I... it. I didn't have a clue it was a musical. Never heard of it. Okay. I, I yeah. didn't hear the sound for the first question. Sorry, so I didn't, I didn't get what... They're currently on one point each. Okay. Next up. Juno. Okay. Laura? I put no. Lucy? I put no. Yeah, you're both correct. So <laughs> that say. was gained... So I got that from a list which was called... Films to watch if you love music but hate musicals. Ah. It does have a good soundtrack. So true. Yeah. So true. Okay, next up. Phantom of the Paradise. Oh, God. Uh, and we finally have our first diverge. <laughs> Laura, you have said... Yes. And Lucy, you've said... I said no. Is it a movie musical? So that's a point to Laura. It is oh, a movie musical. The only thing that kind of gave it... That had me thinking it was, was is, was it a play on Phantom of the Opera? Was that yeah, that's... It seemed too obvious. I was like, it can't possibly be. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's basically the ambiguity, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. This okay. is actually very stressful. This is more stressful than the time I was up against Rob. <laughs> what did we have you doing in that game? It was basically like a quiz of like different things that happened in like Sherlock Holmes. And oh, yeah, as well. <laughs> yeah, and, and one of the questions we got asked, which had nothing to do with Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> was what mug did Craig? What, what did Craig have on his mug? <laughs> that yeah. was wow. one of my most right, actually. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next up, Rock and Roll High School. Lucy? I said yes. And Laura? I said yes. You're both correct. It is yeah. indeed a movie musical. <laughs> okay, next up, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Laura said... No, I haven't seen it. It was just a complete guess. Lucy has said... Also no. Correct. It is yeah. not a movie musical. I think the thing to focus on there is the fact it says playlist. Mm -hmm. So in inspires more. Going to be listening to songs. Next up, Crybaby. Mm -hmm. 
Lucy, you've gone for... I've gone for no. And Laura's and... gone for... No. Oh. It is. Oh. Believe it or not, it is. Is that the Johnny Depp film? I was thinking that. That is the Johnny, the Johnny Depp film. That is on oh, a list. Okay. That is on a list that is uh, 10 obscure movie musicals. I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, it's the Johnny Depp film. But then I was like, yeah, does, does that mean it is? Like, no, that's not going to be a musical. Although saying that, he isn't into the woods. And Sweeney Todd, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's, sh- a very, he, it's, a very, it's a very young Johnny Depp film, I mm. think is probably the thing to emphasise. Yeah. Okay, next up. Cannibal the Musical. Okay, you've both quickly gone in with... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've seen it. Oh, okay. <laughs> that also helps. <laughs> but yeah, sadly, he didn't fall for the bluff. I thought maybe putting something called something the musical would go. Like, That's fake. As soon as I hit yes, my hilarious. second thought was no. <clears throat> I think this is a trick question. <laughs> no, you've successfully navigated it. It is. Uh, it's the uh, uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker uh, musical oh, before before they had the chance to do South Park. Yeah. And Team America will police. I would love to see people like really angry at a film that calls itself the musical and isn't. <laughs> like, you know, just like it's false advertising. <laughs> no, the other option like, is you? it's not a film that exists. That's the other oh, thing yeah. I think could have been. All right, True. number nine, School of Rock. Mm. Oh shit! <laughs> this is. Oh, I this think is a... I. I think both of you have gone for the exact same both answer and reaction to your own answer. I haven't given an answer yet because I don't know how to class it. Oh, right. Sorry. Okay. In that case, one of you has given an answer and one of you has yet to give an answer. Mm -hmm. Sorry, my Zoom screwed up and it did like a flick, so it made it look like... Okay, so I'm going to ask for rationale for this one. So, Lucy. Well, I said yes and they're singing it. So presumably well, that's my rationale as well. But then I'm like, <laughs> what mm. am I right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So the question is, how many times do they properly sing in it as like actual full-on musical numbers? I think twice. The credits they have a full-on they sing fully over the credits. Yeah. So, so basically, and they also sing at the um, battle bands. So it's yeah. twice. So that's twice towards the end of the film, which means this isn't. No. It's not that a full a, musical. That is a triple. I would also about, say about music. <laughs> they're also singing, you know, like in re- in, in the situation. Yeah, mm. like it's not about their emotions and stuff. Yeah, so this is like yeah. the trickiest one. Obviously, it's become a popular stage adapt. Uh, yeah. It's had a stage adaptation yeah. which fully embraces it. But at the point where they only sing in a concert and a mm. classroom, that's not really a musical. No, that was a tough one, actually. It was. Yeah, yeah it's, it's almost as if I'm trying to trick you out <laughs> with some of these questions. <laughs> he didn't give you with that the musical one. He'll get you. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Number ten, shock treatment. Is this a movie musical? Lucy, you've gone for. No. Do you want to say why you think it isn't? This doesn't sound like one. There's no logic behind this answer. Okay, fair. Uh, Laura. <laughs> I just said yes. I just guessed. Okay. So is Lucy correct? Which means oh. it is. And it is about what you think it's about, which makes it even more screwed. Oh no. Stop. Oh awful. Yeah. Stop it's it. electroshock therapy, the musical. Oh, okay. 
what do you, oh my oh my god you're right as well yeah oh. is this like return oh to god. oz the musical <laughs> god knows okay and the, final, and the final one josie and the pussycats is that a movie musical or not Ooh, is it god, i don't know <laughs> again i haven't seen it but i'm in the whole school of rock thing Okay, so you've like, both submitted answers, yeah? That's exactly yeah. what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, okay, I so... know what it's about, yeah. So, Laura, you've gone for... I said no. And I Lucy... Could have scored and, I said, and I said no. Yeah, same logic. You're both correct. Yeah. Hey, is... there we go. <laughs> yeah, it's a song It's a song about people in the music industry, so yeah. anytime they basically sing, it is very much part of the actual drama as opposed to it being like a musical. Yeah. Okay, so with that, we have... Uh, the almost final scores so david uh, so at the moment uh, laura is just in the lead with nine and lucy has seven so yeah just edging ahead with so those it's still, uh, guesses it's still, yeah. it's still everything to play for <laughs> so it basically comes to how many movie musicals in total so lucy your guess was was six and laura's guess was six oh. <laughs> stop it and the answer with seven. Oh. oh, I'm willing to give one bonus point each, but in the end, it still means that Laura Yay. is the winner of the this winner. end game. Well done, congratulations! Yay. Thank you. To be fair, Lucy eight is still a very respectable score on these oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. like we literally have had situations, including I think even last week, where some people don't score close to where the winner scores, basically. Yeah, I mean, most of those were guesses. So that was pretty good going, really. <laughs> yeah. Mine were like a good mixture. Yeah. It's also a unique situation because we also basically know, uh, apart from actually the confirmation of what the film is, we know what uh, what Laura wants to choose. But basically, yeah. just, <laughs> just tell us a little bit about what the film is and basically what it is we'll be watching next episode. Oh, so I can actually tell you exactly what it is. Yeah. Okay, so in and in, in the apocalypse, before the zombie apocalypse begins, they're talking about the names of the reindeers yeah. and what they're called. So John lists up a couple and then says Olive, and but she's like, Olive, and he's like, Olive the other reindeer. And I couldn't stop laughing because that was one of my favourite films as a child. Olive in the other oh, reindeer. Wow. Stop. I don't know if any of you have ever seen it. But no, that was- I'm not. I watched that religiously as a child. My parents hated it, but yeah, as as a joke for my twenty first birthday a few years ago, I got bought the DVD as a joke. That is actually incredible. I didn't, I didn't know it was a film. <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally forty six minutes long, and it's Drew Barrymore, isn't it? And Michael Stipe out of REM, which is kind of mind blowing, and from the team that brought you The Simpsons. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's oh, it, it's Matt Groening. This is insane. I need to watch this... it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, this is Olive incredible. The other reindeer, is it? Olive, the other reindeer. <laughs> I'm like trying to yeah. find this as well. And I know nobody who's ever seen it. I literally, I mentioned to people, and they look at me and they're like, "What the hell?" Well, Wait, now you're I'm gonna, gonna have... watch this now. Well, now you're gonna have at least four, if not five, people <laughs> watching this. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, David, have you been able to find where we'll be able to watch I this I have, film? and this is a first for definite. You can catch the full thing on YouTube <laughs> as a video okay. uploaded by someone. I'm sorry, 
production company that made all of the other reindeer, but there's no other way I could find of getting it online. So thank you to Dino Disco on YouTube, who has thankfully, it's got 1.6 million views. So I'm assuming that, the, you know, Dino Disco has done a service to the people who all love <laughs> Olive and the other it's reindeer. Like, it's either that or it's just literally it was Laura until she was given the DVD for a birthday. <laughs> yeah. I'm li- yeah, literally going to have to be like sending the DVD to everybody. I, I thought am- you were going to say 1.6 out of 10. I was like, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, oh, I was actually going to discuss- bring up the olive thing. I was like, oh, that was a funny moment when we were saying about funny moments. So it's, yeah, yeah. ironic that I didn't Literally, the second you said it, I, I instantly knew that that was going to be my choice of film. Wow. That is oh, that, incredible. That is yeah. quite the choice. I think that actually might be one of the best linking to like a... <laughs> I am- Speechless, honestly, that was amazing. <laughs> okay, so yeah, uh, if you want to join in uh, the watch at home, we all definitely will be. Then Olive, the other reindeer, you can catch it on YouTube. You can go to Laura; she'll borrow, lend you your DVD. Possibly, she's very <laughs> precious about it. Actually, she might not, yep. but you can catch. Maybe you can find her in your local CEX or online uh, support physical media, as we said earlier. Uh, yeah, or uh, find it uh, through YouTube or any other means. And uh, yeah, we'll be discussing it next time in our you know most Christmassy episode. Thank you, Laura. That is going to be definitely a fun one. I'm I'm looking forward to suggest like telling the guests this one as well. I am well. really intrigued <laughs> to hear your thoughts. We about have this. to get like a little snippet of, of your like audio just to like <laughs> give us a little review. So yeah, well, thank you guys. This has been a very fun episode talking loads about you know zombies, Christmas, musical moments, and uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you, Lucy, for joining us. We hope you can join again, Laura. Thank you for coming on again. Uh, Thank you so for having me. Where can the people find uh, you both, Lucy? Where, where are you on the socials? Any projects you got coming up you want to shout out? I am on Twitter at Lucy Jade Bugles. It's just just my name, uh, and mostly it's uh, whattowatch.com slash Lucy Bugles, and that's all all my bylines, all of my works. So you can go and read what I'm up to on there. And at the moment, I'm just starting to power through work, settling down for Christmas, and I'm just gonna gonna. Pull, pull the brakes for a second but yeah it's been really fun well thank you so much guys i've really enjoyed it oh no thank you no for problem. thank you for joining us and uh yeah i think we're all uh prepping for uh mm-hmm. movie january as uh, laura put oh, it in yeah. uh, so <laughs> laura where can people find yourself you can find me on both twitter and letterbox at the film review awesome go check it out check out your growing film list of of the year as well what you've been watching so yeah go check laura and lucy out online And uh, yeah, thank you very much for joining us for this episode. Uh, You can catch us on all the socials, as we said earlier, which you'll hear about all at the end of this episode. Craig, anything lastly from yourself? Obviously, we've got a very fun episode coming up with Olive, the other reindeer, but we've also got another fun Christmas episode coming up, uh, which will be uh, involving a lot of more madness and fun. Yes, and animals, very much like Olive, the uh, other reindeer. Yeah, so our Endgame special will be coming up and it will be an animal-based edition we finally decided on the charity that we'll be funding and we will be raising money for the RSPCA. Uh, so we're very much looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of, uh, I don't know if I'm, it's appropriate for me to say a lot of growling, a lot of like weird squawks and animal noises, but it's also going to be uh, six guests, some of whom will will be used to the process, some of whom will be new to it for the first time, getting really, really angry at me for some of the weird things that they'll involve. But it's going to be carnage and we're recording at the beginning of december it's going to be great 
Yeah, check it out. We'll be putting on socials all about it. Uh, you can catch uh, where to uh, donate money as well for our fundraiser. It'd be great to raise money. As we've said, that uh, animals are a big part of so many of our guests and ourselves. We often see cats running around on people's Zooms, etc., and dogs barking in the background. So, yeah, raise some money for the animals this Christmas. And, uh, yeah, we, you can catch that episode uh, as a nice little Christmas gift after Christmas, just before the new year. So, thank you once again, Lucy and Laura. And, uh, yeah, yeah, go check out Anna and the Apocalypse, which made its way into the movie vault, and get ready for next time with Olive the Other Reindeer. So, thank you, everyone, and uh, catch you next time. Bye bye. Bye. To keep up with the latest episodes of Well Good Movies, you can listen to us on all your usual podcast outlets, including Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and more. Don't forget to follow us, subscribe, and rate us where you can to keep our podcast growing. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at WellGoodMovies to keep up with the latest news and highlights from all our episodes, as well as tell us what movies you want to be discussed in the future. And if all of that isn't enough, you can also find us at our website, freshtakehub.com slash wellgoodmovies, where you can catch all our episodes along with videos and articles deep diving into the worlds of film and television. So what are you waiting for? Go check out the film we'll be discussing in next time's episode.